Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. And so I'm excited. Know that this morning... You did not step in on a sermon about motherhood. I'm not a mom. Uh, you did not step in on a sermon about moms, but I do want you to know that God knew what he was doing in this morning. We're in a series over the book of Colossians, and this is week three of it. We're opening up to Colossians 2. God knew what he was doing in making this day Mother's Day on, on this study because uh, I could not help but notice the heart posture of Paul. His desires for the church are so motherly. They are. They're nurturing. He takes on a nurturing attitude in this section, and like I just, it reeks motherhood. And so I'm really excited for that. Um, I also like don't really normally title messages, but if I were to give this one a title, all right, if I were to give this a title, I would call it According To. Uh, I would title it According To. You will hear that over and over, According To. And he says that don't live according to this way, but live according to this way. And that's a strange way, but really what it, what it means every time is, uh, what is this coming from? Is this according to that or according to that. And so you hear it over and over. Uh, it's really pushing us to ask like, hey, how you're living, how you're walking, what is it according to? What is it in step with? What it is in line with? And he sort of takes a motherly figure. I mean, any, anyone's moms really wanted to make sure that outside of the house, you walked in accordance to how you should. Anyone else have that mom? And she was like, well, how are you walking outside? I have eyes everywhere, my mom would say. Uh, I got a speeding ticket. She knew. And I'm like, how do you know? Uh, I've got eyes. I will know what you're living according to. And I, I, so I'm excited. But honestly, have you ever paused and really asked yourself, like, this is, this is a good holy habit. Have you ever paused and asked yourself, where is that coming from? Where is that thought coming from? Where is this attitude? Where is this bad emotion coming from? Maybe pause, like do some soul work. Where is that anger coming from? Where is this uh, opinion coming from? That's really what Paul will push in us. But do you remember growing up? Uh, maybe you were not like me, but uh, you remember growing up when we would ask like our moms to hang out with so and so, or like after the big game, they're all going to Josh's house. Can we go? Uh, right? Like, do you remember? Or, or there's there's this thing going on after school, and it's you know past your uh, past your bedtime. But like, can I do it, mom? And then she says no. And how do you respond? But Andrew's parents, Andrew's mom's letting him. And then how does she respond? I'm not Andrew's mom, right? Anyone? I'm not Andrew's mom. I'm your mom. And if you keep pushing it, if you keep pushing it, she then said, you're like, why? But why? She then lands, like, lays down the gauntlet and she says, because I said so. It's really funny because Paul is getting nurturing in this, but he literally will begin to say, because I said so. Like, and he, tr he transitions, it. why do you do what you do? Why do you live in accordance for things? Why can't you go to Josh's house like, like everyone else? Because God said so. And it'll like, it, that's literally this chapter and the next chapter is a whole lot of because God said so. And what I love about it though, is when mom said, because I said so, what's spurred up in you is really telling. When you hear, because God said so, you either don't do or do do, 
or don't go or do go or can do it or cannot do it, when you hear because God said so, there will be things that come to the surface, right? And those things that come to the surface show what that attitude is in accordance with. Does that make sense? Some of you, because God said so, and you're like, well, why is he wanting to keep good things from me? Because God said so, why can't I do that? God must not know. And right, like we, every one of our reactions will come to the surface a, uh, a reality check of what we're really believing in accordance to, or what we're feeling according to this. And so I'm really excited because uh, Paul is literally going to be urging the whole time to ask these two questions. Where is this thing coming from? And where is it heading? Because if it's according to Jesus, it will come from him and it will head to him. If it's according to the world, it will start from there and head there. And so I'm really, I'm really eager to get into it. But if I can, like, I just want to pray for us. We're going to be opening up. Maybe you want to already. Maybe you have an app, a real printed Bible, whatever. We'll be opening up to Colossians 2. Um, but I'm going to pray for us. Father, I just pray in this place that there would be an absence of weariness. God, I pray in this place that we would be present to your word. Jesus, I pray that you would speak mightily through this. Your, your word is a living, a living thing. Father, you penetrate our hearts, you encourage, you guard, you warn, you convict, you spur onward. So God, I pray that all of that happens in this place as your word is spoken. May we be transformed by it. To you be the glory. Amen. So as we open up to this, I do, we're going we're gonna to get a little bit right before. So I, you're like, he's lying to us. It's not Colossians chapter 2. Right. We're starting in uh, verse 28 of Colossians 1. Because if you remember, Paul's in prison. He's in prison. And if you remember last week, I had this like, I could not help but think as he's writing to them that he had to pause and assess his own situation. And he's like, I'm writing to them talking about how Jesus is presenting them as holy, blameless, but I'm in jail. The world doesn't call me blameless. I'm in jail. So I feel like he did this shift. I'm going to talk about the suffering that I'm in. And then he says, it's Jesus that we proclaim, right? Warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And he says, for that reason, I toil and I struggle with all the energy that he powerfully inspires within me. And then chapter two begins. For I want you to know, Colossians, how much I am struggling for you. I want you to know how much I'm struggling. That word means like fighting for you. And you're like, brother, you're in prison. How are you fighting? Uh, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you. This is a really powerful uh, like talk here because he's not actually physically fighting, but on behalf of them, he hears what they're dealing with and he's petitioning constantly for them. But he continues, he says, I'm struggling for you, but not only that, but for those who are in Laodicea as well. Uh, apparently, and I say this, I bolded it so you remember to the end of this, apparently what the Colossians were going through historically with the Gnostics, with the uh, Judaizers coming in, was also infiltrating the, the church in Laodicea. So much so that he's longing for them. The same thing he longs for them to have, to live in, in accordance with Jesus, he's been speaking and maybe writing to the Laodiceans too. That's really important because of where we will end this morning. But he continues, I want their hearts, the Laodiceans, yours 
to be encouraged. And I want it united in love so that you may have, they may have all, all of the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, take, we'll make sense of this a bit. Uh, he's praying that they would have something that they may have something else. It's literally this. They want to plant a plant, but they don't have any soil. So he's saying, you want, you want to draw a picture, but you don't have any crayons, right? We can go very basic. You want riches of assured understanding, but you do not have encouragement of being knit together, united in love. You want this thing, the knowledge of God's mystery. You want to experience Jesus, but you're lacking the unity. And so he says, like, I, I want you to have the soil so that you can have the, the plant too. And so that's the point of what he's saying. Like, I want you to be encouraged and united. You want to grow the plant, but you don't even have the soil. You see the word encouragement, uh, I'm, I did this in a little fun way. I'll move out of the way. I've been struggling with Colossians because like, I want you guys to read the, the Bible, but I also have like these little points or explaining things. And so I've now tried to, you know, split the text. So here you go. Uh, the word encouraged, it means exhorted, like consoled. It does not just mean like, hey, I'm going to give you a word and go away. But the word encouraged actually means I'm going to give this to you so that you are encouraged to do something else. In other words, uh, if you hear the word of God, but don't do it, you're not actually encouraged. So he's saying, I want your hearts to not just hear, but be comforted, consoled, appealed, moved, invited, and then to do so together, like united in love. Maybe yours, your translation says knit together, woven together in love. You see, what was happening, he continues, I don't want you to be deceived. What was happening is they were being deceived. They were believing, because I don't lack boldness. I struggle with assured understanding. And that word, like it just, it means uh, this boldness, this confidence. Uh, because I don't have assured understanding, I need to grow some more things inwardly, right? The Gnostic lie of I need to know more. Because I don't experience God, I need to do more. If I'm struggling with peace, I need to just do this. And the world would say, you're struggling with peace? Meditate. But meditate on what? Just clear your mind. No. Uh, right? The world would say you struggle with, with uh, this. Just, just budget your time better. Budget your money better. If you're struggling with finances, and that's a good thing. But often your financial problem is because you see money as God and not God as God. Right? Like it, it's going to get deeper. And so he's, I want you to be encouraged and united in love. You see what they were doing is they were struggling to feel but honestly, it might be because there's no united encouragement. They had a whole lot of people trying to do a whole lot of good things, but none of them were moving in the same direction. Does that make sense? In other words, like if you want to write this down, we experience Christ and grow in our boldness and confidence and assurance when we do it together. When we do it together. In fact, there's a guy even in our church, many men in our church, who for the first time decided, I'm going to get over myself. I'm going to be vulnerable with people. I'm going to show that I don't know. I'm not confident. I'm not bold. I, I have no idea how to do this thing, but I'm going to do it with people. And I have seen him grow in immense boldness, confidence, assurance, not because he grew in anything, but he decided to be encouraged and knit together. And because often what happens is you desire to do good things, 
But outside of the covering of the church, you're missing the call to move forward. Like you're missing the call to move forward. And this is like, I, I, I do, this is the opposite of sometimes or in addition to a Christian friend group. A Christian friend group, group is good. But if the friend group is not encouraging, uh, calling you forward into action, then it might be uh, uh, making you a little bit absent, making you a little bit lazy. You see, that's the purpose of the church, is as, we, as I put aside myself and be here with you, I will be moved into action. Not action that I would do on my own, but action that I now have to do with other people. And that's hard. Like, can we just be honest? Like, yeah, it's hard. That is hard. And so he continues, though. Uh, he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, in verse 6, as you've received him, I want you to continue. And those of you who, who know me, I, I really nerd out on every use, every one of these use. Be careful on the translation. That, like, you, there's some, uh, every one of the use are plural here. It's not about you. It's about the body of Colossians. So as he says, like, hey, just as you guys have received Jesus, continue to live your lives, plural, in him. Walk in him. Meaning if anything you do that you think you're pursuing Jesus, but it's taking you away from the body of Christ, then you're not walking in him anymore. Like you're not walking, live your lives rooted in him. That means if you're on your own trying, I just need to work on my prayer life so that I can be better. Yes, but to what end? How about we work together for our prayer life? It's been transformative, uh, our small group even. Why does the Lord uh, give words? Right, we're in this. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians, right, Miss Betty? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we dove in. What is the point of a word of prophecy? It's not for the self, but it's for the betterment, the encouragement, the edification, the moving forward of the whole. But the moment we try to say, God, give me wisdom, and we want him to like just speak it like this, we've often destroyed the beauty of the community of God. So be rooted in him together. Be built up in him together. Establish the faith together. Is powerful. And he says, just as you were taught, and I love it, it's like the, the because he said so, right? <laughs> just as you, if you were taught that way, keep doing it that way, because he said so. And then he gets into this little according talk, right? The according to. He says, see to it that no one, that word can also mean nothing. Not, it's not just a person. See to it that no one or nothing takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. And this is where we're going to be sitting a bit this morning. Because it's no one takes you collectively. And I need you to hear this. Takes you collectively. And then the word captive is singular. Individually captive. And so in other words, what's happening in the Colossians in the Laodicean church is that the church was being separated by individual philosophies, by individual empty deceits based on human tradition. And they, as they were pursuing them, were being disunited. The word captive literally means to take off as booty. That's a funny word, but that's what it says. Like, uh, I looked at the Greek definition, yeah. Uh, to be taken off as spoil, as, as you, you're, you're now someone else's captive. And this is the image, but it happens a lot. You see, every day I have the ability as a man to choose, am I going to live 
in this action, in this attitude, in accordance with Jesus or in accordance with what I want or my flesh or what the world says is what a man should be like? Or am I going to live in accordance to Jesus? And often like what we have to realize is if I'm going to live in accordance with Jesus, it will inevitably bring me closer to you. That's the huge piece. If I'm going to live in accordance to Jesus, that means my relationships with you guys have to be more vulnerable because it will inevitably bring me closer to you. Or am I going to live in accordance to something else, which will inevitably, hear this, take me away from you. Do you hear that difference? I will be captive away from you. I will either be found with you, diving in closer with you, or if I'm living according to something else, I will be taken away from you. It's, it's interesting. I mean, think about it like individually. I have some, some uh, examples. When you have a thought, like in any day, let's say you're at work, you have a thought that is extended from a want uh, or a, a selfish want sometimes it's going to lead you to do something that will automatically separate you from other people, right? Because you want that thing, not other people. If you have an idea or you feel like you're lacking, if you have an action or desire that comes from, it's, it's in accordance to, it's extended from the feeling that you are without, can we all agree that you're going to act in a way that is uh, going to be more fighting for what you want than loving who, who you've been called to love? Like, can we all just agree? Like, that happens. Or another one, like, if you have an opinion, some of you, if you have a political opinion that is extended from pain, that is extended from pain, like, can we just all agree? Like, honestly, any plan formed from pain is never a really good plan, right? Like, it's just not. Like, any plan formed from pain, because Jesus says, like, I want to take your pain, sow it in me, which scripture, your struggles are sowed in Christ, and that's when it bears fruit. And we, if it's extended from that, if any decision is extended from human reason before Christ, it will lead you away from the body. We've seen that in our world. We see that everywhere. So Paul says, though, the word philosophy. It's a fun word. This word philosophy literally just means human wisdom, human planning, sometimes your own wisdom, your arguments, any strategy. If you have a good strategy that ends up taking you away from the body of Christ, like then it's not of Christ anymore. If you have an idea or a desire or even are buying into an agenda from the world that is taking you, now you're, you're marching in accordance to the world versus Christ, then you are isolating yourself from the body of where hope and love actually is. We must bring it all back to Christ. Why do I do what I do? Because God said so. And so I really, and that's the who, because God said so. Sometimes we have to stop arguing with human reason. And the awkward thing about who we follow is that he is the creator of all, and we have to sit in okay. We have to sit in the okayness of just saying, I'm not doing it because God said so. Like, it doesn't have to make sense right now. It doesn't have to make sense to me, but it's what the Lord has said, and I will see it to fruition, right? He told me to wait, I'm gonna wait. He told me to prep, and I'm gonna prep. He told me, he told me to live differently, and I'm gonna live differently. Uh, we all in accordance to Christ. I mean, I think of this, like, he keeps going, but he says, and not according to Christ. And so this literally, the WWJD, right? Like, 
everything I do, how did Jesus treat the women? How did Jesus treat the outcast? How did Jesus treat the sinner? How did Jesus call the sinner to repentance? How did Jesus then expect the sinner to go and sin no more? Like, there's a lot. Like, if we're going to live in accordance to Jesus, how did he do it? It's a powerful. But he continues. He said, uh, not just philosophies, but also empty deceits. Empty deceits. And so here's a little, like, definition of, of what it means. Empty deceit is anything that promises something but produces nothing. Divine. So he's really saying, I want you to live in accordance to Jesus who promises everything and produces everything. But honestly, like for the Colossians, an empty deceit was, hey, pray to this spirit, which the Colossians were struggling with. Pray to the spirit in in, in addition to Jesus and that will be healed and that will be fixed. To the Colossians, the empty deceit was, hey, can, like go to the stars, ask questions to the stars, uh, seek who you are or who you are not based on the stars. And so they're literally, they, the Gnostics, a higher knowledge for the, the, the church in Colossae. Sometimes it was, hey, here's another thing, something you can eat to give you greater spiritual advantage. There's a lot that they did, empty deceit. But for a modern day church, like, whew, can we just say it's a lot too? Now, I don't want to call out anything in this sense, but I, ever since I was a youth pastor, I've seen this. Youth A needs money. Youth A believes the lie, I need a job, and the job will get me everything I need. Youth A says adios to small group, adios to, to any connection with the church because he he's scheduled on Wednesday nights, and he can't be with there, and he's also scheduled on Sunday mornings. And so he's like, it'll be in a season. It'll be a season because I need the money so I can buy it. But it's an empty deceit because it says it's going to produce what you want, but it's actually leading you away from the body of Christ. Jobs do that. How many times have I heard, I just need to really dive in for a season. Like, I just really need to tackle this. And I'm like, tackle it together then. Like, we're here, let's do it together. And they're like, I just really need to do it. It's just a season. I'll be over here. I will be back. And I'm like, you're missing the, you don't leave the body. The body's with you everywhere. Like, let us fight with you. But it's an empty deceit. And it will take you accordance to the traditions of the world. Another one sometimes is relationships, right? If she is taking you away from the community of God, then she might be an empty deceit. Because she's promising happiness, or he's promising happiness, but he's taking you away from the very fullness of God that provides real happiness, real joy. It might be promising a name or a calling, but it's taking you away from the kingdom of God where calling is found, right? Like all of those things. And so it might be promising an identity, but it's taking you away from the very kingdom where identity is found. So it's an empty deceit. And the last one, he says, like, don't live in accordance to the elemental spirits of the universe. Now, that's just wonky, right? Like, anyone else, like, I'm just, I try to be not wonky. um, But, like, this Greek word is also confusing because it has two meanings that are, like, seemingly opposite of each other. The elemental spirits of the universe could literally mean what you practically see, the natural world around you, or it could mean the wonky stuff, the supernatural materials of the universe. But I like it because when the Greeks would have worded this, they were like, oh yeah, I, I fall into one of those. 
But us, I'm like, I don't, I'm not living according to this. But can we all agree? Like sometimes we live in accordance to what we practically see, the natural world. And so when God calls us to give, we're like, but I can't because all I see is this lacking. Or when God, like God's people walk over fire and, and then, like you see the furnace is there. The natural world says, I will get burned. But we wonder why people start getting cut. Literally, stop moving in obedience is because the church keeps making impractical, un, unreal decisions. And the people who are stuck on the elemental spirits of the universe don't get to be part of it. Does that make sense? Sometimes we decide not to step out on faith because what we naturally see is scary. And so he says, I want you to live according to Christ. In everything you do, according to Christ, for in him, the whole fullness of God dwells bodily. Like he is God. And so live in accordance with him. And then there's obviously the Gnostics who were, who were conducting all these extra spiritual things so they could be better and live in accordance with Christ. And then he continues. He says, and you have come to the fullness in him, who is the head over every ruler and authority, for in him you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision. By putting off the body and the flesh with the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him in baptism, and when you were raised. If I put this into the context, uh, can you put that? Yeah. If I put this into the context of like my conversations with my mom uh, growing up, like Paul is saying, hey, in him you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision. If I put this in a conversation with my mom and be like, hey, mom, why can't I go to Josh's house? And she says, because you live differently. You live in my household. And I'm like, but why can't I do it? And, and she would say, because you are my kid. I'm not their mom, right? I'm your mom. This is God saying, I'm not their God. I'm your God. You have been circumcised with a spiritual circumcision. So why do you act differently, not in accordance to the world? Because I'm not their God. I'm your God. Right? I'm not their mom. I'm your mom. And I'm like, <sighs> right? But this circumcision word is interesting. The very reason God said, hey, let's be circumcised. Like, let's have this. One practical reasons, like they were nomadic men. If you know the word circumcised, uh, good. If you don't, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to ask later. Um, but they were nomadic men. And so very practically, God knew the more they walk, things are going to get sweaty. And they will get infected and die. And I want my people to live long lives. And so practically, it makes sense. But also spiritually, they are going to be spiritually different. That means as they go to other people groups and the women start getting friendly and the men want to have an intimate encounter with said women, she will be appalled by what she sees. It's strange. It's confusing. It doesn't make sense. I don't want to have any part of it. Literally, they are to be set apart from the world on an intimate level as well. Now, this is as I live in accordance with Jesus, I should appall the world. They should take a step back and be like, I don't trust that. What's wrong with that? I don't like that. It looks different. I, I don't like that at all. Like they should, you have had a spiritual circumcision. Like you've been separated from the world. And I like this though, because if we see this, it, it is a literal separation on an intimate level. 
Like that's powerful. That's what circumcision was. That's what spiritual circumcision is. The actual word, it's not spirit at all. It just says you were circumcised with not man's hands. So it was God who did it. He set you apart. Your, your body was put to death and so live differently. Why? Because God said so. Why? Because he said so. Now, I, he made us new. Now, I, I just, often the things that stir up when, when I speak, God said so, um, will distract you from the truth of what God did so that you could do differently. Like, literally think about it. Why can't I do what the world does? And he says, why don't you realize that the, the world can't do what I do, but you can like, the world cannot help but sin. You now have a way outside of it. Like, it's powerful. So, so you can sit in and, and be angry when I say, because God said so. But honestly, he backs it up, and he did so. It continues, like, you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God did so. He made you alive with him, and he forgave of your trespasses. He said so, and he did so. And so now I do so, because he said so right? Like he erased the record that stood against me. What we don't realize is the record still says so for the world. It shows all of the, our incapabilities. It says all of our, the brokenness. It says all of the sins, all of the waywardness, but that record, Jesus did so with me. He took that record and he nailed it to the cross. He did so, so that I could. It says he made it a public example of them. Like some of you, I, the one that I, I memorized in high school said, he made it a public spectacle. He disarmed the, the rulers and authorities and triumphed over them. It's just this beautiful image. He did so, so that I could do so. And so that's the power that we miss. You've been called to live differently. And so as I said, I wanted to end with the talk of Laodicea. Uh, band, you guys can like head on up. But I, what I love about this is I was reading it and this is completely God like brought about because I was like, I don't know how to end this message, Jesus. I don't. And then I was, I felt like he said, how, how did the Colossians respond to me? And so I, I researched the tar out of any like any other writings or recordings of what happened with the Colossians. And we don't find anything else negative that happens to the Colossians church other than that they still kept growing and expanding. So it leads me to believe that they took these words and said, okay, we will live in accordance with, with Christ. But there was another church that struggled with the same things, right? Laodicea. There was another church that struggled with the same things. And scripture also writes where they ended. It does. We're going to read Revelation chapter 3 as we end. Because it's really powerful to the church of Laodicea who had these same issues that we have, who struggled to live in accordance with Jesus, who struggled to live by his ways. There was another letter that was written to them. And it says this. It says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. The words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works, people. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one, right? But because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. 
This is why. Because the church of Laodicea was much like Colossians, where there was other things that they could live according to. And what began to happen as that kept happening is people thought they knew Jesus, but they actually did not. Because they knew a Gnostic version of Jesus, or a Judaized version where I have to do, 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 do in order to be. And they thought they were good. Because they didn't live in accordance to Jesus. But instead, it was human wisdom, philosophies. And he says, you say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. But you do not realize that you're wretched. You're pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Can we just pause right there? Can you go back to it? Sorry. And according to them, they were wealthy. According to them, they had prospered. They lived a good life. According to them, they needed nothing. But with the eyes of Christ, according to Christ... They were poor, blind, and naked. Now, I cannot help but wonder, as we live in according with the world, how many of us think that we're good to go and just, my life is solid right now, but we're being blinded. We are poor. We are naked in our shame. But we keep trying to do things to cover it up. I'm good. And so he continues. And it says, so therefore I counsel you. This is where I want to bring it home. I counsel you to buy from him, Jesus, God the Father, gold refined by fire so that you can be rich. He is an answer. White robes, buy those so that you may be clothed, right? The shame of your nakedness won't be seen and buy salve to anoint your eyes so that you can see. In other words, this word buy, can we just all be honest? You're poor. How do you buy? You give your life. That's the beauty of this. The Laodiceans thought they did everything, but they never gave the life. They never gave themselves. It's just this absence. And I love it though. I will make you rich. Like the refiner's fire that purifies us. God has that for you. Some of you, you want to be clothed with whatever you want. And so you'll put on whatever to make your identity known. But Jesus says, I have a white rope for you. And I know all you individuals, you want to you dazzle it up, but it's white and it's holy. Let me define your identity. Let me define your identity. Like that's, Buy from me that which will make you holy. It's beautiful. And then anoint your eyes so that you can see. He says, be earnest, repent, do this. I'm standing at the door knocking, answer. I will come in and eat with you and you with me. Father, in this place, I realize that there's many of us who have had moments that we've made decisions in accordance with human tradition and not your word. We've had many moments that we're in accordance with our pain or our memories or our fears or our insecurities than they were in accordance with your word. Jesus, we've had many moments where we've decided to to have human reason and intellect run our decisions and we've missed out on the power of faith. But Jesus, when we submit all of that to you, you powerfully use it. God, I believe there are people in this room that need to buy and not out of anything that they do, it's all in what they surrender. 
They need to lay down their life and realize that you paid the price. There are people in this room that are, have been lukewarm and your word says that you would rather them decide, are they in or are they out? Because they've not had any assurance. There's not been any boldness in their faith. They say they're good, but they sleep with fear. They say they're good, but they're just not feeling peace. And so they just keep trying to meditate on nothing. All while you're there, I'm here knocking. So Father, I just pray that there would be a handing over in this place. If that is you and you, you, you want to actively say, I want Jesus as my everything. I need to give my identity up for him. It's very simple. Scripture says those who believe that Jesus is Lord, it's one thing. You got to confess with your mouth. Those who believe that Jesus came and he is Lord and he is God and and you want to make it very personal, you begin to confess he is my Lord. So you could do that this morning. Father, I pray in this place that you begin knocking on the hearts that need to be receiving. That you begin convicting on the hearts that need convicting. May I not live in accordance to bitterness. May I not live in accordance to what is lacking. May I not live in accordance to human tradition, philosophies, ways of thinking, empty deceits. But Father, let you be what I come from. Let you be what every thought comes from. Let you be where I'm headed. TV the glory, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.